is decoding the crime verse. 911, what's your emergency? Welcome to Decoding the Crime Verse. I am Nalzili. And I am Danny. And I am disappointed. Why? Because we're not going to argue this week. I thought you were going to argue with me for some reason. But like we basically agree on the facts. One friend disagrees with me about Abraham Lincoln. And I thought it was you. I was clearly mistaken. (laughs) I don't remember. Wait, what about him? I'm talking about his death thing. I don't know. Someone doesn't. Okay, maybe like we'll him. disagree. Okay. <laughs> Why are we gonna disagree? I don't know. We'll see as the okay, show goes on. Well, on April fourteenth, eighteen sixty-five, Abraham Lincoln, the sixteenth president of the United States of America, was assassinated by well-known stage actor John Wilkes Booth while attending the play *Our American Cousin* at Ford's Theater in Washington D.C., becoming the first U.S. president to be assassinated. There's only been four: Kennedy. I think it's Garfield, someone, and Lincoln. I can't remember. I didn't them. even know Garfield is a prison name. <laughs> so we are talking about Abraham Lincoln's assassination. Yes. Yeah. Why do you sound so disappointed? <laughs> I've been to the theater where he was assassinated. That's cool. Yeah, it was really, really, really cool. Why he was watching our American cousin, I don't understand. But Listen, that weird place those days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to give you some background into Lincoln and then we will tell you the, about the assassination story. So he was born on the 12th of February, 1809, and he died on the 15th of April, 19, I said 19, I meant 1865. Oh, he lived long enough. And he was president from 1861 to 1865. So he was born into poverty in Kentucky and raised on the frontier. He was self-educated, which was really impressive because he actually became a lawyer before he was president. What? Yeah. How do you become self-educated? I don't know. In 1854, he became the leader of the New Republican Party and ran for president in 1860, becoming the 16th president of the United States. During his term, he saw America through the Civil War and kept the Union together. He abolished slavery, bolstered bolstered the federal government, modernized the U.S. economy. Me and he was also known as Honest Abe, Rail Splitter, or the Great Emancipator, and he is often remembered as the one of the greatest presidents in American history. So, his assassination. We've done Kennedy's assassination. The other two presidents, the fact that I don't know their names just shows you. I know Reagan, they tried to assassinate Reagan. I don't even know who that is. Reagan was, I've heard of Reagan, Reagan though. Reagan was the president when the Cold War ended. Okay. Mm. Wait. We're going to go through the facts. And then at the end of the show, you have to say which assassination was better, him or Kennedy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you haven't listened to our Kennedy show, it was quite a while back. But go have a listen. It was a pretty yeah. intense show. So Abraham Lincoln met his fate at Ford's Theatre in Washington, D.C. on the night of April the 14th, 1865. The assassin was Confederate sympathizer John Wilkes Booth. His actions changed history in the great in this great nation. I like everything about this guy. No, like too. his name is awesome, right? Like <laughs> right, his everything is awesome, down to the fact that he, he killed Abraham yeah. Lincoln. 
When Abraham Lincoln won re-election as president in 1864, John Wilkes Booth and his fellow conspicuous formed a plan. They would kidnap Lincoln, then trade him back to the government in exchange for the release of several war prisoners. They also formed several contingency plans. The one plot aims to intercept Lincoln on March of 1865 while he was on the road, but this didn't work as the president's schedule had been changed. Another included capturing Lincoln at Ford's Theatre and then lowering him out the window using ropes. However, with the Civil War coming to a close and the Union victory dominant, they became well, it was more difficult now. Well, there was no point to be demanding prisoners because yeah. the only reason they wanted prisoners back was so that they could then um, make a, a bigger stance in the war. But the Union was clearly winning, so it wasn't going to make any difference. So Booth resolved to take a more drastic and bloody course. Killing Lincoln was supposed to only be the tip of the iceberg as they actually had four other Key of, well, it was supposed to be four total key officials killed that night. Yeah. So it was actually a more complicated plan. The other targets were Vice President Andrew Johnson, Secretary of State William Seward, and Union General Ulysses S. Grant. Ha and this was basically so that they could throw the entire Union side into chaos by taking out all the leadership. This would then give the Confederacy, Confederacy time to regroup and attack Washington the night well, later that night. So basically what they wanted to do, they wanted to kill these four players, let the Union scramble while they attacked. Yeah. Because now, the, what do you do when you've got no leaders? Yeah. All four of your leaders are being killed. You, do you think he would have been the leader? Booth? Yeah. No. Okay. Because he wasn't the leader of the Confederates. I feel like he would have deserved it anyway. <laughs> Booth used his connections as an actor to sneak into Ford's theater. Lincoln was obviously distracted by watching the play and Booth entered the box and pulled out a pistol and at 10.15 p.m. Booth shot Lincoln in the back of the head. Booth had no way of knowing at the time that this was the only assassination that would be successful, so the other three did not succeed. After he fired the fatal shot, he rushed past the witnesses and tried to leap onto the stage below. However, Henry Rathbone, an army officer, attempted to, to stop him, but Booth stabbed him in the shoulder. Booth then leapt onto the stage, landing awkwardly and breaking his leg. The audience theater were in confusion and they actually thought it was part of the play until they heard the first lady screaming. Booth then stood up on the stage and ye yelled three Latin words that would be remembered throughout history. Sick, semper, Tyranner. Oh my goodness, I <laughs> messed that up. And I've been practicing all morning. Sic semper tyrannis, which means thus always to tyrants. This phrase was historically associated with Brutus and the assassins of Julius Caesar. And interestingly enough, Booth actually had acted the part of Brutus in a play once. So obviously that's where he learns about it. He was probably waiting for this moment waiting. all his life. I, was like, I I'm to going to. <laughs> the atmosphere in the theater turned to chaos. Such soldiers flooded the building and Booth knew he had to flee the city quickly. A co-conspicuator had arranged a horse to be waiting for him outside the stage. He he jumped off the jumped or he jumped onto the horse, crossed the Navy Yard Bridge into Maryland, where he met a co-conspicuator named David Herald, and together they rode together into Kirksville, Maryland. So now they're on the run. 
Jeez, the adrenaline you have after breaking your leg to still shout Latin phrases and to get to the horse. Yeah, full on. You know, it's like when that lady crawled when she was pregnant away from that X-Man or whichever one it was. We had done lots of serial killers. It was the X-Man. There they went to a tavern where they, people had hidden weapons for them and supplies and they know they didn't have long so they gathered all they needed and l- headed back on the road. At 4am on the morning of April 15th, Booth and Harold arrived in Maryland in the, at the home of Dr. Doct, Doct, my English is not a working. <laughs> Dr. Samuel Mudd. Mudd set Booth's broken leg and let the two men rest in his home for a few hours. Now it's known that he was a confederative sympathizer but they actually no one knows if he knew who booth and herald were were and what they had done i think 100 percent. he claimed he didn't but it didn't help him because they put him in jail anyway. yeah once he was strong enough booth and his partner hit the road again they got lost in a swamp and then paid a farmer to help them find the home of another sympathizer named samuel cox Obviously, they'd been slowed down by Booth's leg and the two men arrived at 1 a.m. the next morning. Samuel Cox may have been a sympathizer, but he also knew he was endangering himself by by harboring these fugitives. Because at that time, there were over a thousand Union soldiers mobilized to search for Booth. And there was a bounty placed on him for $100,000, which is an equivalent to $1.5 million today. Yeah. Imagine. That's hectic. If Cox was caught aiding and abetting these fugitives, the consequences would have been severe. So, Cox kicked them out into the nearby pine thicket on the edge of his property. Like, you're going to live in the woods? (laughs) Don't be in my house. This would give them a chance to wait for the opportunity to cross into Virginia, but it also gives Cox plausibility of deniability if he were caught. Booth, for his part, was furious that Cox wouldn't let them in his house. Nonetheless, he stayed in the thicket and they just made do. Booth and Harold stayed in the pine thickets for a total of four days. On one on occasion, a friend of Cox named Thomas Jones would bring them food, drink and copies of newspapers. This is how Booth first learned that he was being seen and condemned as a villain and a coward. But he thought he had done her heroic act and was genuinely shocked. In his diary, he compared himself to historical figures such as William Tell and Marcus Julius Brutus, who he said killed Julius Caesar, and wondered why they were seen as heroes, but he was being considered a common cutthroat. This diary remains the only first-hand account of Booth's thoughts during this time. I love it. I I want his diary. I want it too. (laughs) I've seen, though, like you can actually go. They've still got like the chairs and that from the theater, like at a museum. I want to know if they've got his diary. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. It was from this diary that we know on April 18th, a bunch of Union soldiers passed within 600 feet of the pine thicket. Concerned that the horses would give them away, Harold actually killed the animals. I know, that makes me sad. I like horses. Me too. While Booth and Harold continued to hide in the country, the rest of the country was mourning a president. Thousands of people came to Washington to watch the funeral procession. His body was loaded onto a special train that would carry him to his final resting place in Springfield, Illinois. Six days after the assassination, the soldiers searching for Booth moved out of the area near Cox's home. Thomas Jones then informed the fugitives and at dusk on April 20th, they set out again. They headed to the Potomac River, which was only three and a half miles away, where they then got onto a skiff. 
Unfortunately for Booth and Harold, that night was foggy and navigation was difficult. And instead of landing in Virginia, they ended up back in Maryland. On the 21st, the fugitives managed to get supplies from a farmhouse near a creek and returned to the boat. Now, no one actually knows what, why they did this, but they actually ended up spending the night there. Yeah. Some speculated it was because of his leg or that they had heard about rumors pr- of patrols. So they actually stayed near that creek for the night. So the fugitives then headed out the following evening. Again, it was foggy, but the mist actually worked to their advantage as they remained unseen. In Booth's diary, it recalls that the skiff came across a Union gunboat but managed to avoid a collision and the fog kept them unseen. So imagine you're floating right past them, but they can't see because the fog is so hectic. Meanwhile, Union forces were drawing tighter around the two men back in Maryland. So, for example, Dr. Muds and the people at the tavern who had helped give them supplies, they were arrested. The army knew Booth was heading to Virginia and began to flood the roads there with soldiers. On the morning of April 23rd, the fugitives arrived in Virginia. They immediately made contact with a sympathizer named Elizabeth Queensberry, who fed them and then sent them to meet a doctor named Richard Stewart. However, Stewart learned who they were and kicked them out in need for shelter the men decided to head to a cabin of a free black man named william lucas and like stewart he refused to actually let them spend the night but booth was obviously desperate and angry at this point so he actually threatened lucas with a knife and made him and his family spend the night on the porch that doesn't work these a knife i was like a knife you threatened me and my whole family with with one knife knife. yeah apparently (laughs) The following day, Booth and Harold forced Lucas to take them to Port Charles. There they met another former um, soldier named William Jett. Jett offered to hide the men in a house he had arranged, but the house was being occupied by two unmarried women and his partner felt this was improper so they couldn't stay there. So we, 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 we've killed the president, but now we're going to worry about properness of staying with two single women. They have morals. Mo- clearly. <laughs> so they continued on. On April 24th, Booth and Harold reached the farmhouse owned by a man named Richard Garrett, whom they did not know. Booth used his acting skills and convinced Garrett that they'd been soldiers and his leg had been broken during the course of his duties. Garrett fell for the ruse and gave the men a place to sleep. However, the following day, Booth got drunk and started to play with Garrett's children. By the evening, the family had grown suspicious of the fugitives and insisted they spend the night in the barn. Booth agreed and they headed to their new lodging to get some sleep. It would be his last night of sleep he would ever get. While Booth and Harold slept, the Union troops closed in. William Jett, the Confederate soldier who had helped them escape, tipped the authorities off for the whereabouts of the fugitive <laughs> location. At approximately 2.30 a.m. on April 26, Booth was awakened by the sound of horses approaching. The two tried to escape, but they didn't know that shortly after they had gone to sleep, the Garrets, who had been fearful of the fugitives, had stolen their horses and locked them in the barn. They were trapped. The Union forces surrounded the barn, and they had orders from the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, to take both men alive. So, a standoff ensued harold for his part begged booth to let him surrender he agreed to let harold go but he had other plans for himself he had tried to avoid his fate by challenging the commander of the union forces to a duel in order to have his freedom but the soldiers were like uh no (laughs) like not happening so they lit the barn on fire and it went up in flames 
Booth charged out and was quickly shot by a soldier named Boston Corbett. In his final moments, he uttered his final words, useless, useless. And at 7.15 on the 26th of April, 1865, John Wilkes Booth died. You know, we always speak about the fact that we don't like it like when the person no, dies yeah, at the end. this was not epic. No, this was epic for me. Just because oh, of how he made wait, it in. Wait. Do you mean? Wait. No. Okay. Run out the fire. <laughs> ah, get shot. I, I love it. This man was cool. And then, like, they asked him any last words, and he's like, show me my hands. Useless. Useless. Ah, this guy. This guy is... This guy... This guy, right? Ah, this guy. For once, he didn't fight me on a topic I chose. But, like, he was so epic. Like, I can't... Even, like, his death was epic. I'm I'm loving we are jumping off balconies onto a stage. Do you understand? You're breaking your leg. And then you still carry on. You're shouting in Latin. The show must go on. Then you are jumping on a horse. And you are riding into the night. And you are not... This this man? This man right here. So, obviously, we're going to just quickly look at why he did it. Why did he want Lincoln dead? Yeah. So, we know that Lincoln um, was president. And in 1865, the Civil War came to an end. And Lincoln appeared at the White House on the 11th of April and gave a speech. And he literally dropped a bombshell. He became the first president to recommend the vote for African Americans. Lincoln then became even more committed to emancipation. Now, John Wilkes Booth had been in this crowd. Hmm. Okay, and he believed that by giving the African-Americans the vote meant that the next step would mean that the African-Americans would get their citizenship. And he was like, hell to the no, because he was a white supremacist. He'd grown up on a um, a farm with his, well, not on a farm. He'd grown up with his family in Maryland and they were a slaveholding family and he was a fanatic for the southern cause and he believed that abraham lincoln was a truly evil man and believed in killing him in order to do a service for both his nation and his race Mm. you know what john john wilkes booth john wilkes booth uh i love the man's me too besides what he was fighting for the man was epic yeah i mean we need to see epic where epic is due. So, what do you think is more epic? This or Kennedy's assassination? Which one do you think? So, I think they're different. And I'm going to tell you why. This is epic because, I mean, we get to know Wilkes Booth's story. Like, we've seen him jumping. I mean, it takes guts to then be like, by the way, I just shot the president. I'm stage screaming out. Mm. Especially when you're a well-known actor. Mm. So, it's epic in that. And like you said, like the ending and... Things like that. But I also think JFK's is epic because of all the conspiracies that surrounded. Like we had the, the guy in the, the, the other hill. No, don't tell them. Don't tell them. Don't tell oh, them. Go, go listen, listen to the show. But we had like four or five conspiracies yeah. there. So I think they're epic in their own way. You have to choose one. Can I choose first? Go first. I choose this one. Okay, you see, I'm, I think I'm going to go Kennedy. For the reason being that I think there's just so much behind the Kennedy one that we don't know yet. Yeah. That I feel like would be so interesting and epic if we actually found out what really happened. But this was epic. I'm not disputing. This I like so this epic. one. This one is like he made someone's death a a a stage play. He, he was really like did. he really was just acting. <laughs> 
<laughs> so simple. I oh, loved it. No, it was a it was a interesting topic, and now you also know a bit more about American history. If you I'm glad know. you're still allowed to choose topics just because of this topic, but don't ruin it because you've got a tendency. No, she's just got a tendency to be stubborn. <laughs> stubborn. But that is all for this week. We will see you next time. But from now until next time, six sempaternas. I'm joking, no mourners, no funerals. <laughs> Join the show. Stay updated, stay entertained with Active FM by following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Gab, YouTube, and engage with us. Like, comment, share your thoughts, and repost.